0: greet you all in Jesus' name this morning. It's a blessing to be here. It's a blessing to be uh, among believers. It's a blessing to have Christian uh, fellowship, Christian family, to be able to gather with people that that, uh, care about us, are concerned about us, that pray for us and to know that God is real and God loves us tremendously with a great love. Those are all good things to experience. It's uh, not nice to have enemies, to to know that someone... Uh, despises you feels ill toward you and would wish you great harm that's not comfortable but we do have an enemy all of us have an enemy this morning and we don't want to focus too much on this enemy I'm talking about the devil of course now, if we have a person who hates us and despises us, we need to figure out why. And maybe there's something that we need to do to reconcile with them. We want to be peacemakers in that regard. But with Satan, there is, there is no making peace. And we can, people can surrender to him. People can give up and people can even follow him. But we as Christians want to be aware, we need to be alert, we need to be careful. In our prayers here just before the the message here a few minutes ago, Brother Dan uh, prayed part of the Lord's Prayer. And I'd like to begin with uh, looking at just going through that prayer, uh, Matthew 6 verses 9 through 13, and you've got it in your mind already, most of you, and I just want to notice one thing there especially, but I think of this prayer as a, a model prayer that Jesus gave in his Sermon on the Mount is something that includes the things that we should be praying daily and should think about often and pray about often. And while we begin in the, uh, in the sermon on the mount, and most of the message will be on Satan, I want to end in 1 John 5, but we'll look at this uh, prayer here just now. Matthew 6, beginning at verse 9. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now The phrase there, but deliver us from evil, in most translations is translated the evil one. Deliver us from the evil evil one. Why should, we, why should we pray for deliverance from the evil one? Well, there are quite a few reasons, really. Uh, one, Satan is a deadly enemy. He is our enemy. And he's a deadly enemy. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. In Revelation, he is named Abaddon, the destroyer. He is a deadly enemy. You know, you see little cartoons, and you read jokes or hear jokes about the devil, and he is not a joke. And he is not funny. And... Sure, some of those can be amusing, but you know, uh, to think of this deadly enemy that all of us have, it's not, it's not funny. And he is angry. He is an angry enemy. And you know, uh, well, in Revelation it mentions that, Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. You know, anger is a, is a tremendous motivator. Now, if you have somebody that doesn't like you, but it's not intense, it's not, you know, it's just a, they don't care for you, they're probably not much danger to you, but somebody that truly hates and despises another person and is angry, that's a very motivated enemy. I remember one time in in school, in high school, we played something called battle balls. It's a kind of dodgeball game. There were, we played it in a gym because balls went bouncing everywhere. There were maybe four, five, six balls about this big around. And you could really throw them hard and sometimes halfway accurately. And you had two teams, and you would, and each team would be throwing at members of the other team. Got hit, you were out, and the team last standing, uh, with any last standing members, won the game. And you could, there was a safe zone on each end, end of the gym that was maybe uh, 25, 30 feet, 20 feet. And uh, If you had the ball, you could go up to that line, but you couldn't go across it, and then you could throw at the people standing against the wall, cowering against the wall sometimes. Well, I wasn't a great shot, but I hit this fellow right smack in the face uh, one time. It was half accident. I mean, I just, I threw it hard, and it hit him right in the face, and he became my enemy. And for the rest of the gym period he was my enemy he got over it but and i don't think it was sort of those flash kind of a brief intense though animosity and he was after me the rest of the the rest of the gym period and uh he would come up to the line and i i wasn't watching anybody else i was watching him and he would he would uh he would look off this way, but I could see his, you know, he was really interested, where was I at? And when he threw the ball, it wasn't at those guys or that those people, it was me. Every time he threw the ball, it was at me. But he was motivated. And the devil is very motivated, and he wants to do maximum damage uh, to God and to Christ's kingdom here on the earth while he's able, while he has time. He knows better than his followers, than many of his followers, that there is an end and he is doomed. He knows that. So he's very focused. He's a focused enemy. And he wants to destroy the things that are dear to God. Yesterday at at the reception, somebody uh, made the comment that in the, in the open mic time, that if God is for marriage, uh, Satan is against it. And if anyone loves God, uh, Satan hates him. Jesus said to Peter one time, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. And... That first you, he has desired to, to have you, is all of you. He wants all of you. He wants to destroy you. And he is cunning. The devil is not all wise, but he's been around for some thousands of years. And he's quite experienced. And he has learned a lot about human nature. I don't know how, how much he had to learn or how that his learning all came about. But he is a cunning enemy. And so we're told to put on the whole armor of God. That ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He knows our weaknesses. He knows the weaknesses of men. Uh, and he lays traps. In other in 1 Timothy, he talks about the snare of the devil. He lays snares. He knows human weaknesses and he has uh, had a lot of experiencing and learning how to exploit those weaknesses and to ensnare people in his clutches and do harm to them. He's been effective. He's had a lot of successes. He's won a lot of battles. Paul laments different times. And he mentions concern. He wrote to Thessalonica. And he said, I just hadn't heard anything for so long. And I'm, I'm, uh, I sent somebody to you to find out how you're doing. To find out if you're still faithful. Lest by some means the tempter have tempted you and our labor be in vain. That the, the time and the love and the teaching that I put in there at Thessalonica, that somehow the tempter, the evil one, would have tempted you, and you fell for it, and you lost out, and fell away, and our work, all our effort, was in vain. He's not by himself. Uh, We know that, that there is with him a host. Of of uh, fallen angels, demons, that he rules, and who are quick, eager, anxious to do his evil bidding. We just get little glimpses of that in the scripture here and there. In Revelation, it talks about a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, an an army. And Ephesians 6 tells us, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places, the devil and his demons. Rulers of the darkness of the earth, they hold sway over the The wickedness, the spiritual blindness on the earth. Everything that is against the light of Christ's truth, against holiness, all those things that are wicked and unrighteous, they're under Satan. Well, for all that the devil is and the relentless enemy that he is, Christians have this this promise, this important piece of information, that he is a defeated enemy. Jesus came, we're told in Hebrews, that he came and died that he might destroy him that that had the power of death, that is the devil. Hebrews 2.14 and in Colossians 2 verse 15 and having spoiled having disarmed defeated principalities and powers he made a show of them openly triumphing over them in it. You know we we don't see um, what's going on in the spiritual realm we just get glimpses here and there but we know it is real and you know just like the uh, Jesus in teaching Nicodemus said that you can't tell uh, you can't see the spirit just like you can't see the wind you can't see the spirit but you can see results and you can see results in people's lives when the spirit works and their spiritual fruit love joy peace and all of those beautiful graces that the Spirit works in people. Well, we don't see the devil. We don't see his demons. And we don't see how, the, how, he, uh, how he works. But we can see the results. And sometimes we experience the results. And uh, that is why we see evil all around us. Satan tries to take advantage of us in any way he can. He doesn't play fair. The only rules that he uh, has to abide by are the limits that God sets. That all-powerful, sovereign God sets in place, and he places limitations on what the devil can do. When somebody sins, let's think about people, let's think about us. When somebody sins, who or what is responsible? Is it the devil? He's the one that promotes sin and cultivates, uh, wants to see that happen because he knows it will bring man to destruction. But who is responsible? Is the devil responsible? Sometimes you've seen these little signs or uh, T-shirt messages or bumper stickers: "The devil made me do it." Some are quick to point to a uh, a demon, like a spirit. Of anger, a spirit of lust, or a spirit of jealousy, a spirit of dishonesty, that kind of takes over a person, and and then they, uh, then victory only comes when that demon is cast out, or that spirit is denounced and cast from them, gotten rid of, and there may be spirits that specialize in certain areas of temptation or particular sins and so on. Uh, In 1 Kings 22, we read about a lying spirit that gave 400 prophets a false message. But what we need to remember and what the scripture teaches us is that there is already in man a fallen nature. Of course, the devil was behind the fall in 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 Genesis to begin with. But there is in fallen man man, a nature, a tendency to do evil. And Galatians 5 talks about the works of the flesh. Now the works of the flesh, this is uh, Galatians 5 beginning at verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now the works of the flesh that he's uh, speaking of here, Now the works of the flesh are manifest. They are what are produced by the flesh. Uh, When the flesh uh, when the flesh and the desires of the flesh rule in a person. Now the behavior of the body is determined in the mind. But when the the desires of the flesh are what the mind yields to, and we uh, follow after and pursue, and we live. Those are the works of the flesh. Those are the results of um, of the desire, following the desires of the flesh. In verse sixteen, a few verses before. He speaks of uh, the lust of the flesh, the desires of the flesh. And here's where the devil comes in. He knows that desire is there. And he encourages and he entices the flesh. But this is the flesh that is already bent towards sin. In James, he talks about this. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. So there's this natural desire, this sinful nature in a person. And the devil flashes these little signals, these little uh, little flashy things before us. They're all around us. And our mind, if it's, if, it's, uh, if it's following the things of the flesh and listening to the desires of the flesh, it thinks about those things, these little, these little temptations, these little snares come forth and we're tr- they're attractive to our flesh. And then man has to decide what he's going to do, whether he will respond. And say yes or say no. When lust hath conceived, when the, when the lust is yielded to, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. And that's exactly what the devil wants to see. But though Satan takes advantage of man's nature... Man is responsible for his choices. When a man is ruled by the old nature, he is in not in God's camp, but in the devil's camp, and the devil considers him his property. Know ye not? that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. In Ephesians 2, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. The children of disobedience follow the prince of the power of the air and they are ruled by their old nature. When a Christian who has renounced that and committed his life to God and God's spirit takes up residence within him. If he yields to temptation, if he follows the world, it makes openings for, for Satan to get a foothold, to, to uh, expand his influence, and to, uh, to bring more pressure to bear on that individual. In Ephesians 4 beginning at verse 25. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Written to, uh, to Christians. And the place there is room, like uh, marking off a space would be a, a literal way that that is Uh, that that what that means like marking off a space where the devil says this is mine and metaphorically in the in the scripture here it would be giving him opportunity giving him uh, occasion to act he's gotten a foothold a, a, a place but when we live in obedience to god when we Submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And th- then Satan has no claim. If we knowingly choose to disobey, uh, there's, there's, there will be an effect. Uh, Satan, it does give Satan space Jesus overcame Satan's temptations you know he's Satan tempted him and Jesus uh, responded with scripture but it wasn't just because he knew some scripture by heart and could quote it it was because he lived those scriptures he obeyed he uh, that's why he had power in his teaching because he lived what he taught. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We don't just start halfway through the verse with resist the devil and he will flee from you. People have played little games with their minds and with the truth and dabbled in temptations and sins and told themselves that, you know, I can can get off when I want to. I can leave this when I want to. Uh, I just will, when I'm ready, I'll just resist the devil and flee, and he will flee from me. But this verse begins, Submit yourselves therefore to God. And I believe that's where it starts, submitting to the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> the devil does have, uh, has had and does have access to people's minds and how all that works I can't explain but I believe a lot of it is determined by man's choices, how, how open he is to uh, what, uh, you know, how, what his relationship is to God and what his commitment is to God. You know, in, in that sermon on the, or the message that Jesus gave, the parable of the soils and the seed, the uh, seed that fell on the hard ground that uh, the wicked one came and caught it away, caught away that which was sown in his heart. That is the seed that was sown on the wayside. And Luke says that um, the same thing, the devil cometh and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe. Now these were... uh, uh, the, the evil folks, the ones that resisted and, and uh, didn't want to hear the truth, weren't open at all. Other people started and then stopped and lost out. Seed began to sprout. Other things interfered. We have Judas, then entered Satan into Judas. Judas. And Peter said to Ananias, Why hath Satan filled thy heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? Well, the one thing in common in these cases was that these people were selfish, they were disobedient, and they were not submissive uh, to God. There are many ways that Satan deceives people, and we're in the last days, and uh, by one description, uh, the last days is all the days for the last couple thousand years since Christ ascended to heaven, and we wait his return, but there is also a, uh, we'll not go there in Thessalonians, where, where there is a Uh, where, where Paul wrote about he that letteth will let as though there is a God lifting back the restraints. So there is greater influence and greater power of Satan to influence lives and to deceive. Like there is a growing deception. And Jesus talked about those that lost their first love or lost their the love for God, a great falling away, and that that would intensify as we come toward the, toward the end of time. I believe we are in those last days. And how, how close we are to the end, I would not venture to say at all, but we're certainly closer, we're 2,000 years closer. How does he deceive men, even of the very elect, like Jesus said? Well, sin is one, just sin itself. And just that, um, well, like Titus said, like Paul wrote to, uh, to Titus, for we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lusts. And he wrote to Timothy about evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Sin itself is deceptive, and it it clouds and hinders our seeing the truth. Resisting the truth. uh, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts, shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Uh, A resistance to the truth, a desire for the things that we want and then, or the flesh wants, and then finding teachers that say, that's good, you're fine, you're all right. The ends... Thereof are the ways of death. And then he talks about we're we're told about false prophets with demonic doctrines, and there are numbers of scriptures, and many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And in 1 John, uh, but try the spirits, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they're of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. And they bring uh, a great murkiness. It's, it's demonic. A murkiness. A lulling to sleep. Uh, we don't have time to go to scriptures that talk about the dangers of materialism and and uh, sin, and so on, but that people just kind of are lulled to sleep. You know, their neighbors, their other Christian friends live this way, their preacher says this is okay, and they're lulled to sleep. There's a great relabeling of sins with the name Christian, and... Uh, Music was mentioned in our Sunday school class. And that is an area where there's been a huge distortion in the last uh, 75 years, 100 years. And even, uh, you know, some neighboring, some neighbors, uh, a church we would all be familiar with, where back when I was young, there was clear preaching and about music and what was okay to come into church or into the school and what was not. And what comes in now would not have been acceptable then at all. And that's just not just the problem in Baptist churches. It's, it's in, in Mennonite churches, even conservative Mennonite churches as well. Not, not in a public way, but among, among us. And distortions with uh, what is right and what is wrong. And a much asking hath God said, and a revisiting of this, and with a new, with a new, new insights of love and mercy and and. Uh, And uh, openness and so forth, and compromising what God says about the cross life and discipleship. Turn with me to uh, 1 John chapter 5, here in closing. notice with me first uh, verse 4 and 5 for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world and this is the victory that overcometh the world even our faith who is he that overcometh the world but he that believeth that Jesus is the son of God now this just isn't just a little something knowing in the mind but it's somebody who s- loves and serves and follows the lord jesus he is born of god he overcomes the world and he finds victory verse 11 and this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. A relationship with, with God. A relationship with his Son. No. Uh, uh, I, I've appreciated the emphasis in the last uh, year or so uh, on scripture reading and reading lots of the Bible spending a lot of time in reading the Bible I think that's a wonderful emphasis and and I think that if we do uh, spend time the more time with God less time like was said in our Sunday school with with entertainment and diversions and distractions uh, that the world offers, the more clearly we'll see, the more clearly we'll understand, and the safer we are. Let's go down to verse 18. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. That means doesn't practice sinning.